for sympathy. <laughs> <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, and good day. Welcome to another edition of Sales TV Live. Today, we are honored to be speaking with Mike Bosworth, creator of Solution Selling and Story Seekers, as we explore how leveraging stories to unlock solution selling mastery. Uh, Mike founded Solution Selling in 1983 and grew it to over 50 affiliates, contributing a royalty income over $2.8 million annually. He's authored several best-selling books, including Solution Selling, What Great Salespeople Do, and co-authoring Customer-Centric Selling. He's also been a featured lecturer at several universities, and he is currently the founder of Mike Bosworth Leadership, where he and his affiliates uh, share the Story Seekers Workshop. Mike, welcome. Thank you, Rob. Uh, God, pretty nice introduction. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Oh, <laughs> uh, Mike, you have an extensive background in the sales industry. Please tell us a little bit more about you and where your journey is leading you these days. Well, when I founded Solution Selling, my mission was to try and change that ratio of 20% of the salespeople bringing in 80% of the revenue. And I always thought, boy, if we could elevate the bottom 80%, everybody would be a lot happier because the top 20%, they're gonna deliver without your help in most cases. They're, they have a certain level of talent. Well, in 2000, and that was my mission with solution selling to raise the bottom 80%. Over the years, my CEO clients who bought, who hired me to train their troops in solution selling, after about six months would say, you know, Mike, my top 20% love solution selling. They're, they're, they're doing so much better now that they have those um, intelligent discovery questions. So they're not committing our product to do things that won't do anymore. And they used to do that. So they were very happy about that. But they'd also, then they'd say, but the bottom 80% quit using it two weeks after the workshop. And it wasn't until 2008 that I finally figured out that the reason the bottom 80% quit using it is they tried it for two weeks and their buyers were going like this, putting their hands up and saying, you don't know me well enough to ask me all those questions. And anybody who's been through solution selling knows that one of the primary strengths of that is we have situational experts write those expert di discovery questions, which help the buyer create, get a vision of how to use it and be successful and make sure that the expectation levels are set right, et cetera, et cetera. But it finally occurred to me in 2008 that the top 20%, the ones who love it, they have enough EQ to realize that you can't just take out 
a list of discovery questions and start asking them that you've got to somehow emotionally connect and build some trust and let the potential customer volunteer to, tr to trust you enough to share their problem with you so you can help them figure out a way to solve it. But 80% of the human population are not very good at quickly building emotional connection and trust with strangers. 20% are, I even asked ChatGPT, I said, what percentage of you know, adult humans have high EQ? And uh, ChatGPT came back and said between 17 and 21% of adults have high EQ. And boy, that correlates pretty well with the top 20% of the salespeople. Because what they do is they have, they, pardon me? Is that a universal thing then? So you find that all of the top performing salespeople, that's the, that's the skill that differentiates them from the other 80%. Yes. And not only salespeople, but if you look at the top college professors, I'll bet the top 20% have really high EQ and connect with their students. Yeah. And, <laughs> And, but how many times have you been in a college class where there was no, a very brilliant professor, but no EQ and they'd get up for 90 minutes and just read slides to you, mm. right? So anyway, um, it's not just sales, it's, it's all professions. If you look at the top 20% of virtually every profession, they're very good at connecting and building trust and inspiring and they but they do it intuitively so again in order to really uh hit the pot of gold on sales productivity we've got to figure out a way to elevate the bottom 80 percent we're still at the same place that we were when i founded solution selling and we found the best way is through the power of story because uh, two-legged human beings have been on this earth communicating verbally for almost, well, 190,000 years is the best number I've gotten from anthropologists so far. But through the majority of that time, there was no written language. And everything humans learned about enemies, friends, society, dancing, music, food, and danger don't eat those red berries because your grandfather ate those red berries and he died um, has been through story and as humans we love stories our parents you know got get us got us hooked on them with once upon a time and rob if you can get your teeth brush and your jammies on before eight o'clock i'll read you a story right I mean, so, you know, humans love stories. And if you think about it, you've all heard the left brain, right brain stuff, right? But when a human anticipates a story, they've actually put people in MRIs and, and looked at it in their brain. When, the, when a human being anticipates a story, their critical left brain starts to shut down. Their 
creative right brain opens up the right brain that's connected to all their five senses and their emotions and they say to themselves oh a story i don't have to do anything i can just sit back and enjoy i don't have to make any decisions so you know they warm up to it but then somewhere in the back of their mind they also say but this could be important information i.e you know grandpa died from those red berries so i better pay attention and because i might have to remember some of this stuff now can you think of a better frame of mind for a sales prospect than to be in that state of mind so we're teaching the bottom 80% of salespeople and humanity how to connect and build emotional, how to build emotional connection quickly and trust with strangers. And the real key, especially in the B2B world where I live, is pure curiosity. When I was a rookie salesperson at Xerox Computer Services, selling first generation material requirements planning systems for the enterprise M MRP, intuitively, I would go into a manufacturing plant and I'd co-call them in, in person and I'd say, hey, Rob, if you're the receptionist, my name's Mike Bosworth and I'm with Xerox Computer Services and I'd like to speak with your materials manager. And 80, and then the receptionist would call the materials manager who's never had a salesperson call, call on him or him. They were all hymns back then in their life. And, and he's from Xerox. So 80% of the time they had enough curiosity to come out in the lobby but as soon as they'd walk up to me, and as soon as they'd see me, they'd look down, they'd get their wrist up and look at their watch. Because I was 28 and they were 48. And so you can imagine, oh gosh, now I have to be polite to this guy for 10 minutes before I can get rid of him. But he's too young to know anything about material control, right? So I confirmed their job title. And then I'd say, uh, Adam, can I share a quick story with you about another materials manager I've been working with for the last 18 months who's less than a mile from here? Now, guess how many times that story ever got turned down? Never, right? Never. Zero. Because of pure curiosity. Boy, when you're in the, in the, in the corporate world, you're, you're, you're curious about your peers. So that 10 seconds got him curious enough to say, yes, I'd like to hear that story. And because of the word story, now his left brain is shutting down and his right brain is opening up. And I had a very, I had a phenomenal story. I don't know if we have time today to, for me to, to, let me give you the example. I'll, I'll give you. We're, a we're sitting. We're sitting <laughs> like we're in bed with a cup of hot milk, and we're all right. We're all right, here we go. All right. So I say, so Adam, this story is about a guy, about a guy 
named Ed Blackman, who's the materials manager at LPAC Electronics, uh, less than a mile from here. Let me get a quick glass of water. I met Ed 18 months ago at an APEX meeting, American Production and Inventory Control Society. Now, I'm going to add this, the story that I wouldn't have said to this cold call, but my boss at Xerox Computer Services made all of his salespeople join a professional association of manufacturing professionals. So every, every month we were sitting around a dinner table hearing these people talking about their jobs and stuff like that. So I met Ed Blackman 18 months ago, and he was the president of the Orange County Apex. And 18 months ago, when Ed found out that Xerox now had a new capability, which would allow a manufacturing plant, even with 50,000 parts, to replan their entire schedule overnight. And when Ed heard that 18 months ago, he actually came to us and said, I want to be the first. I know you don't have any other existing customers, but this makes so much sense to me. I want to be your guinea pig. Let me be first. And so 18 months ago, we installed the Xerox MRP system in Ed's manufacturing plant. Here we are 18 months later. His inventory used to be 8 million. Now it's 2.7. And his past due backlog used to be 28%. Now it's 3%. But enough about me. What's going on around here? <laughs> Fantastic. And that little story, and, and invariably they say, you want to come in and look around? They invite me in. And one minute after they looked at their watch. So because of peer and the peer curiosity, which caused him to say yes to the story, 60 seconds later was peer envy, which meant that once I got him motivated, once I got him to the point where he, because Ed Blackman would let me bring anybody over and he'd show him what he's doing. He was so proud of what he was doing, right? And so I'd bring my new prospect over and Ed Blackman would prove it. He'd, you know, he'd take this vision and prove that you can replan your plant overnight. So now my, my new sponsor would have to go into his CFO and get the money. And invariably, they didn't want me to go in and sell their CFO for them. They wanted to sell their own CFO. And so I would teach them how to tell the Ed Blackman story to their CFO. So the CFO would give them the money. So the power of story is amazing. And that little story of how I used to use it shows that if you've really got a good, solid, emotional story, and I, I neglected Ed's pain in that story because I was, I was getting ahead of myself, but if you got a story like that in your pocket, you can fill your pipeline very quickly. And that was my, that was, I was a rookie salesperson when I was 28 and I went on quota in January and five months later, 
I had sold more than anybody in the history of the company had sold in the full year. Wow. I filled my pipeline with one story, that story. And um, so there's a lot of B2B sales forces out there where a lot of their salespeople are really smart, but they don't have such high EQ. Example would be my first big client when I started solution selling in the early 80s. This was a company that was selling software that was so complex that only engineers were hired to be salespeople. So 100% of their salespeople were chemical engineers. And chemical engineers, if you, if you think of if stereotypically speaking, would be really high EQ and not so high, I mean, really high IQ, pardon me, and not so high EQ. And they, when a chemical engineer salesperson would go out and call on a chemical engineer user buyer, boy, they took up just like that. They'd start geeking out on chemical engineering. But eventually the chemical engineering sponsor who now wants this software that will simulate how drugs are manufactured and how oil is refined and stuff. Now they have to go into their CFO. They don't know how to talk to the CFO. And we were teaching them how to tell a peer envy story to their own CFO. So, so 20% of people um, are like you. They kind of just get this. And even if they don't know formally how to do it, they kind of figure it out. And it just seems a very natural way to do things. Exactly. Int intuition. Yep. Yeah. And 80% of people are naturally very poor at this. Yes. And they, uh, they, they're not able to develop the skills for themselves. They don't see those things that are obvious to you. Uh, can those people be trained to be a Mike Bosworth? Worth? Can no, but no, Adam, but they can be trained to build and tell peer MD stories. And so that's what the 80% of the solution selling trained salespeople lacked. And the reason they quit using it after two weeks is since they didn't have that natural ability, they take out that list of questions and start doing the intelligent discovery of the nine boxes of solution selling, but the buyers would go, whoa, you don't know me well enough to ask me all those questions. Mm. So what they were missing was a way to quickly build enough trust and connection that the buyer would lower their natural discovery resistance that most people have to new salespeople. All of us are resistant to feeling sold. Sure. Yeah. I think I know where this is going. First, I wanted to acknowledge we had some comments from the audience. Um, Ed Kosar, Kosar, I apologize, Ed, says, great data embedded in your stories, Mike, as always. What a pro. Thank you, Ed. Um, oh, he said you're assuming we went to class, too. Well, yeah, he, he in, also. In college, yes. 
you know, once you knew you had a professor like that, he's right. Most people quit going to class. They know they're right. going to have to take a bubble test at the end, you know, and they take the book out, the textbook, you know, and study it the night before. But right, but it's excruciating to be in a room where you've got somebody up on a pedestal sharing that vast knowledge with bullet points and no interaction at all. Mm. And then we have uh, Willie Chambers uh, commenting by way of Facebook, learning sales from Mike is gold. Thank you so much again for all of the excellent knowledge that you share. Use your strategies almost every day. Again, Willie, Willie, Willie has been through solution selling. Okay, well, there you go. So I wanted to ask you, and I kind of maybe have an idea of where this is going now, but how has the concept of solution selling evolved with the rise of social media? Well, solution selling was actually misnamed. Okay. If I were, if I were bringing it out today, I would call it solution discovery because the whole idea was to do intelligent discovery which would lead the buyer, one, to fully understand why they have the problem they do. Secondly, to know that not their problem, Adam's problem in material control is also impacting his boss in manufacturing. It's also impacting the CFO with too much inventory. It's also impacting, et cetera, et cetera. And then the third part of the intelligent discovery was to say, uh, can I try a couple ideas on you, Adam? What if the next time one of your vendors calls you at three o'clock in the afternoon on Friday and says, Adam, I got bad news. Those widgets you're expecting on Monday are going to be three weeks late. And you were hoping to go home and watch your kid play soccer, but now your whole, you know your whole weekend's ruined because you have to figure out which customers are going to be impacted. What if you could go to the soccer game and the next morning you had a list on your desk of all the customers you had to call in advance with their phone numbers and give them a new delivery date so they weren't mad at you. In, in other words, what we had to do was the key to solution selling was teaching salespeople how to create buying visions where the buyer says, wow, if I could do that, I could solve my problem. And then to offer proof and say, Adam, I know this sounds too good to be true. So don't take my word for it. Make me prove it. And then in my case, I'd take him over to Ed Blackman and Ed Blackman would prove it for me. So, you know, I, I, hope, was, I hope you bought him nice things at Christmas. Oh, God. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, and that was all luck, of, but that, that evolved into solution selling, that whole methodology. And I finally, in 2008, realized the power of that story I've been telling, prospecting. And uh, then I decided we can codify teaching the bottom 80% of humanity how to use stories to connect with people. And that codification 
is the crux of the Story Seekers Workshop. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. I know we only have a, a minute or two, but at a high level, how would you describe Story Seekers? Story Seekers at a high level teaches people to build, tell, and tend stories. Salespeople need three stories. We also do it for leaders. Um, you know, a lot, we've converted a lot of ex West, West Point and Annapolis executives, executives in corporate America who used to think leadership was command and control. And we taught them how to connect, inspire, and influence their troops through story where they get their their troops to volunteer to follow them rather than doing it because they were told they had to do it. Wow. So, so stories are very powerful. And, uh, you know, they need to be applied in your real world. I mean, think about nonprofit fundraising. Everybody, everybody in a nonprofit needs to understand the mission story of that nonprofit. So anytime they're at a social event or anything else, they can get other people to go, wow, you guys are really doing good work here. Mike, this has been great. How can people learn more and uh, where can they get in touch with you? Uh, LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Just send me a message on LinkedIn. We can connect. Awesome. Uh, so this has been another episode of Sales TV Live. Um, we now have a newsletter. Uh, don't miss an episode. Get show highlights, be on the show insights, and reminders of upcoming episodes. Scan the QR code on screen or visit us at Sales TV Live and click on newsletter. Mike, on behalf of myself, on behalf of Adam, on behalf of the audience, thank you so much for being a part of today's show. Thank you. And uh, could I request that you send me a copy of those chat questions, chat comments? Absolutely. Thank um, you. Be sure to send that out to you. Okay. Uh, this has been another edition of Sales TV Live. On behalf of Adam and myself, on behalf of Mike, I want to thank the audience for your active participation. And to everyone in the audience, we'll see you again next time. Thank you. Thank you.